Hello and welcome to the Filmmaking Stuff Podcast, where you'll get insider tactics on how to make, market, and sell your movie without the middleman. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, LA-based motion picture executive, Jason Brubaker. Hey filmmakers, Jason Brubaker talking to you from sunny Southern California. Welcome to today's show. Uh, joining me is the one, the only Tom Malloy. Uh, Tom, you were just out in Los Angeles, California. I was fortunate enough to see you and your family while you were out visiting. Uh, Tom stopped by, he got to uh, meet my, I, I want to say my baby daughter, but she's almost a year old already. So it's kind of fun to. Yes. And I met her a year ago. So. Yeah, you met my whole family this time too. Yeah, well, I've met them. Yes, that's true. Yes, and uh, yeah, for those who don't know, I live in primarily in New York now, and then go back and forth between here in LA once a month. So, yeah, yeah, it's always good to see you out here, even though I see you quite frequently. It felt <laughs> felt different this time around, I guess, because it was family oriented. Hey, that said, you know, I, I've noticed there's a lot of questions coming through, um, both within our mastermind group and uh, so, you know one of our. Uh, blog articles that that you wrote a while back about this whole concept of minimum guarantee. And and I know that distribution is constantly changing. Like every time I think I know about it, it changes and then it changes some more. Um, You having, you know, produced so many films and and distributed films and you run a, you know, sales agent and distribution company. Like, I, I guess I'll just get straight to the point. When, when does a minimum guarantee make sense? Like, have you ever found yourself in a bidding war, uh, both on the producing side or maybe even the acquisition side? Yeah. I mean, I've found it on both, you know, and, and the key is, is that years ago it was a lot better and easier to get MG. It was almost like that. If you didn't have an MG, that wasn't a real offer. And then it kind of went away for a while. And now it seems to be coming back a little bit, at least smaller MGs. And what we're talking about on that minimum guarantee, it's not that they're, uh, it, you know, it's almost like a weird phrase for it because it should be more called an advance because that's really what it is, you know, but in, it kind of became called the minimum guarantee because the distributor felt at least that's what they're going to make on a minimum from your film, right? I think an advance would be better because sometimes the minimum guarantees are small, $5,000 or so, and you would hope that they're going to make more than that on your movie, you know? So, but it, look, they're, the first thing that you got to know is that in many situations and many sales agents, distributors, that may be all you're getting, unfortunately. You know, I, I pride ourselves on our company, Glasshouse, that we never consider any minimum guarantee that that's all we're going to pay you. You know, we're looking for splits, um, it, meaning a, a percentage normally 25, 75 is kind of the common 25 to the sales agent or distribution company. 75 to the filmmaker right so for every dollar 75 cents goes to them so we're looking for splits but you know sometimes especially on the bigger mgs that may be the only payment that you're going to see and you got to have to kind of think about it that way you know but i negotiate them all the time a lot of times we'll get an mg offer for a, a movie that we're selling say latin america or something like that and then we'll try to go to the other people that we're talking to and see if they can match it or beat it you know and then sometimes they will do that and sometimes they won't but that adds a little bit of pressure to it um, on the other side of that, we've given MGs for movies. And the key that we always say is, you know, yeah, it's always a factor. Are we going to make, what kind of money are we going to make for that? And then it's kind of like, you know, a 10% for us. Like we really want to focus on splits and not go, this is the only payment that you're getting, you know? So it's just something to know 
for the filmmaker to got to know this too, and I don't want to just keep droning on here, but the key is the filmmaker will know if a company is paying something that uh, they have a skin in the game for you. They're not, they're going to try to do something, but the, on the flip side of that, you don't want those companies where that's the only thing you'll ever see. Yeah. And I, I think that the distinction here too, is talking about an advance, right? So an advance is sort of, so that's when you say minimum guarantee, like this is a minimal amount of money guaranteed that you're going to make. And, and I hear you loud and clear that sometimes that's the only money you might make, but is it different with an advance? I know we're, we're getting. Well, the you know, only thing I would say is like, it's, it's never, I've never seen it termed as an advance, but what I have seen is some MGs uh, like that, I know one that's that's a pretty good MG for a, a lifetimey Hallmark type movies. You know, let's just say it's like about two fifty or so, and that's kind of like a they use it as a backstep MG. Like if they haven't made you more than that over two years, then they pay that to you or they pay the difference. So that's a backstop one. That's a little bit different, but it's still just defined and even verbally in the contracts as an MG. You know, it's just their their terms of payout are different, but everybody's are different too. I mean, I had a movie just demand that we bought from Ken that demanded fifty percent upfront and fifty percent on QC, and I had tried to get around that with four different payments spaced out over six seven months. But even that six six seven months is pretty good. Um, you know, Netflix historically pays out minimum eighteen months. You know, sometimes twenty four months. So if you get an X amount of dollars from Netflix. It's divide that by 18. That's how long it's going to take to get all that money from Netflix, you know? So um, it's, it, it, you know, it's just something to think about when you're factoring in the monetization and the repayment to the investors, I guess, is, is the way to say it. But most of the time it is in advance, but it won't, it's, it's very rare, let's put it that way, unless it's a buyout, which is different, um, that you'll get 100% upfront. Yeah. And so uh, I guess the next logical question that people want to know is like, how can you increase your chances of getting money for your film? Well, that goes back to some of the stuff I've been preaching for a long time, which is cast, right? I mean, like that, that's one of our minimum qualifications. Like there's no MG without cast, you know, because it's like, then that you're, they're going to guarantee certain international sales. Uh, the second thing is, is genre. You know, we've given MGs to genres that are good action or horror that have no cast, uh, may even be international or something like that because they were good in that regard, right? And so it, it, the, those things that I, I told people setting your film up for success before and is trying to make it in a sellable genre. Uh, one of my friends uh, had named this, who's also a, owns a very reputable sales company, uh, called them the, the ones that sell are the wash movies and it's western action sci-fi horror so and if you can get a wash western action sci-fi horror like that, that's you're in the best position to sales but cast still supersedes all of that actually so yeah yeah, yeah so cast cast is a big thing you know and, and I, I guess it's because you want to go see the people you know it's almost like a just kind of getting philosophical about it but why are people drawn to certain casts well, it's also, it may, it legitimizes the movie and there's so much kind of trash out there that they go, well, if so-and-so's in it, you know, it can't be that bad. You know, why, why would they be in if it's bad? So it kind of on the front end, when they see the trailer and they go, oh, look, it's that guy or it's that gal, you know, it's like, they go, I want to click on it now, you know? And so it really does help with the sales. And I mean, that sounds so basic, but it is true. And especially internationally, you know, they may not watch an American movie that, has no cast but if it has so and so in it they go oh okay yeah a star and how much like if you were to hire an actor that's that's well known a, a big name or a name let's just say a name 
how much did they have to be in the film? I mean, you hear these stories all the time. And so-and-so hired, you know, Johnny Depp for like two minutes. I, I don't know if he's the best example, but, you know, some big star, Tom Cruise comes into your movie for like mm. one itty bitty scene because he's your cousin's sister's yeah. friend's nephew. Yeah, that's, a, you know, there's, that's tough gray area. You know, I, I've, I know that um, there was a producer that was doing that for a while, getting the, the action stars, Bruce Willis, Mel Gibson to come in for, you know, three days or a week or something like that and doing the shoot, but then really spreading them out in the movie. I think ultimately it doesn't matter. You can shoot somebody in two days and shoot a lot of them. So it doesn't matter on the shooting side. That's almost like production's problem. It, men, it matters on the the distributions or the the editing of the film side if they're throughout the movie and don't just have like one good scene then they're re you're really selling it you know it'd be tough to put in the trailer you know somebody that's only in. i mean i guess as i'm saying that i'm like screen did that their biggest star was drew barrymore in the first one and you know what is she in it five minutes ten minutes max and then she dies not giving any spoilers there i think most people know she dies in the first 10 minutes but she was all over the trailer so that was a play at that time, but I don't know if you can get away with that a lot. It would have to be a star that has a significant role. So I had no um, plans of asking you this question, but I've always wanted to ask somebody and maybe you have the answer, but what, what if I'm friends with somebody named Tom Cruise or friends with somebody named Brad Pitt, but they're not the Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise that we know. And I just cast them anyway. <laughs> I've always wondered about that. Yeah. I think you're in trouble. You know, it's like, there was a, uh, there was a Tom Cruise that that was that sold like um, uh, electronic wheelchair type places, like mechanicalized wheelchairs. And I just remember seeing a video when I was like, you know, in in college. And his, you know, so whoever bought that local ad, it was like this guy's name was Tom Cruise. Like, God, you wouldn't change that, you know, or just call yourself something else. But yeah, no, I think you'd be in a lot of trouble, especially if somebody tried to buy your movie. Tom Cruise, I've you know, I've seen other people try that stuff, like you know, with a review or something like that, or. Uh, I remember somebody had on their thing, like, this is a great movie, so-and-so. And it was like Quentin Tarantino's dad. It had underneath it in parentheses. I remember <laughs> that so specifically. And it's like, who gives a shit? But I guess it maybe somebody just sees the Tarantino name and goes, oh, well, it's cool. So whatever. <laughs> you talk a lot about uh, casting actors. Is, is there a place where I can find out more about how to do that? <laughs> Finding and casting actors? Well, I think that the best place would be checking out Filmmaking Stuff HQ, and checking out the, our module, Attract and Cast Name Actors, how to attract and cast name actors. Because I mean, it's truly like all the stuff that I do and am, am doing on a regular basis. I mean, like I have, well, one film's all set, but the other two are going this year. So I have three more this year. And it's like all of them are in different stages of attaching casts. And that, those are just the ones that are officially going without any road bumps or hiccups. There's other ones that just trying to get going and attach cast to. So if you want to learn this, the exact same stuff that I do on every day basis, uh, you should check out those video modules. <laughs> well, listen, man, appreciate you coming by. I know you're just kind of getting back in the swing of things after the family trip, but uh, it's it's always good to catch up with you. Awesome, Jason. Always, always. Good, man. Good, thanks. And, and for anybody that's interested, Tom was referencing uh, the Filmmaking Stuff HQ membership. You can find out more about that at Filmmaking Stuff HQ. And uh, check in with us next week. We'll have some more great uh, filmmaking tactics that we'll be able to share with you. But yeah, filmmakingstuffhq.com. 
Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Filmmaking Stuff podcast with Jason Brubaker. If you like our show and want to get more filmmaking info, make sure you check out filmmakingstuff.com and join us every week for new filmmaking tactics. Until next time, take action and make your movie now. 